Begin Podfix Network transmission in three, two, one. Night Rider, a shadowy flight into the dangerous world of a man that does not exist. yet and i'm already what so right before we started i just i had this vision in my head because we always try to come up with something funny to talk about after he asks michael where his pants are (laughs) oh no and i don't in my head i just i had a vision of like michael pooping (laughs) and i'm just thinking i want your opinion on how how effect, how do you think Michael poops? Does he is it like does he sit like reverse on the toilet? Where he's like he's he's facing the back of the toilet yes. and he's holding on to it. He bear hugs it. But he actually, with the way he sits, is he like leans too far far forward and he actually ends up always missing. So he goes over the front and hits the floor every time. This is what I was thinking about as he. <laughs> Why? Oh, no. I just hope he's in like a, a hotel or a motel like, where the bathtub's really close to the sink. Grabbing the oh. toilet tank <laughs> and he misses every time and it just hits the floor and rather than clean it, he just leaves. What an ass. <laughs> well, that's what they pay the housekeeping staff for. You sound too much like Garth. Oh, oh God. Oh, that, I'm sorry. Wow. What a way to open that, that episode. That explains why you started crying like as the intro oh, started. Oh my gosh. That was a good one. Holy crap. No pun intended. Oh, welcome to Champ and Clyde, the Night Rider years. It's a podcast by two friends who share a love of classic 80s television in some form or another. <laughs> I'm your host, Dave Champa. I am the other host of the show, of this show. This show is the... the cha- My name is Greg Klein. Hi, Greg. Hi. How's it going? I'm, I'm all right. I'm a little punchy. Um... We're both exhausted. Um, we're actually recording regularly, like on time, roughly. It's a little after 7.30. We like to keep right. ourselves regular. Um, we picked up two large iced coffees. That after, will not keep me regular. After we picked Lucy up from dance. Mm. Um, new schedule for the fall is that Lucy has danced now from 4 to 7 every yeah. Wednesday night. Um we are also going to decide, we've decided that I think until Greg finishes school in December, we're going to keep the bi-weekly mm-hmm. recording schedule. That's not to say that you guys are going to get one every two weeks. In fact, this week, we're going to record two episodes. Oh, that's crazy. Because <laughs> we're nuts. And that's okay. But we'll talk about the second episode at the end of this one. Uh, Greg, what have you been up to the last two weeks? Working like crazy. Yeah. Working like crazy. Super shorthanded, but driving a bunch of, driving some tours. Uh, hanging out with some folks, just just I would uh, just busy. David has been busy. Yeah, I want to. How are so? Wait, you've been covering on tours? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, because a lot of our staff is you know either teachers or 
students or school bus drivers. So when that all starts again, we lose a lot of people. Oh, okay. And they got to kind of got to cover till the the uh, shoulder season kicks in and the tourism stuff. The shoulder. Quiet. What's the shoulder season? Like I don't. I've never heard that term. Show Showa. 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 So tell it's you. before the off season and after the summer season. So the shoulders are like the, now. Essentially, oh, I see. We, okay. Where where you know savvy travelers should go traveling because gen- it's generally less busy. Prices start dropping a little bit. Yeah. Um. Yeah. The shoulder season. I've asked you this before, but do you usually get busy? Do you get a lot of tours in the winter? occasionally do you okay yeah. but i'm guessing summer like may to august yeah. or september crazy. is your is your crazy our past. record this summer was 31 consecutive days of tours yeah oh my gosh is that <laughs> that's how that's unbelievable we're at 19 right now again. you're you're so you've reset back to 19 yeah. so do you will you surpass 31 although know. at this point it might start to kind it of might be hard again but taper yeah. off a little the bit summer's record was 31 okay a All month right. straight of tour every day at least or not just a tour, more yeah. than one. Of day. which you've been, you've driven a Some couple. Of them, yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, that's not. I mean, that's good. I mean, it keeps you busy. <sighs> I want to tell you. Uh, so this past weekend, so Hurricane uh, Dorian, yes. kind of messed up a bunch of stuff. So Portland is a port city. So a bunch of cruise ships were diverted or stayed here longer than they were intending to. I read that. Yeah. So uh, as a result, we had a tour that we we did for a this ship that is brand new. And when I looked it up, I was like, this is ridiculous. Absolutely insane. Yeah. It is called the Scenic Eclipse. Really? It was just here in port. Yep. It is a six-star luxury mega yacht. Oh, my God. It has about at every single room in it. It has is a veranda room, so they all have balconies. Yeah, every single one's an outdoor facing room. Yep, it has about a capacity for I think a hundred or two hundred forty eight passengers, something like that. <sighs> but that's not that much. But then the crew count was like one hundred and seventy five, so that's almost one crew member for every two people. Yep. Um, it has a whole fleet of like um, of like uh watercraft you can use at any point. Yeah. It has Gosh. on board for your for your excursion pleasure. Yep. Two helicopters. And if you uh, really want to dial up your aquatic uh, activities, it has an onboard submarine that can go down to a thousand feet. Wow! <laughs> I'd want the submarine right all the time. Up to a thousand feet? Yeah, th- it said its de- max depth is like a thousand feet. A six-person sub plus two crew. So well, eight people you and I would be just the only two that would go down on the yeah. sub, <laughs> and the crew would be like, "We can't. We're not taking you down, guys. Again. Just no. We, you don't have. You can stay up here. We can't let you. Greg take and the, I will take it. That we'll we, test. No, the you of this cannot thing. take the vessel. We'll push it to three thousand. <laughs> no. <laughs> No, Greg and I resurface it, and it's completely just like it's, it's crushed on. We did it, guys. We did uh, but it was cool to see that thing. Yeah, Pretty cool. I mean, the, the passengers were awesome. Uh, That's great. But yeah, and that and it's off to Manhattan. It might be there now to be christened. Oh, by Dame Helen Murin. She's my elderly girlfriend. You think so? You she like and her? Maggie Smith? Oh my God. We speaking of Maggie Smith? Yes. Kristen and the girls and I watched Sister Act One and Two this weekend. Oh, really? I forgot how good those movies are. Surprisingly, I mean, obviously, like, Sister Act 2, it didn't hold up as well because it is, like, what you would expect from the stereotypical mid-90s high school punks. I'm trying to come up with some terrible sequel names. they're so good. I I, I do enjoy them. They're so, so good. Sister Act 2, the resistering. Sister Act 2, back in the habit. Yeah. yeah, Sister Mary Clarence. Sister Mary Lazarus. My favorite line from both movies is, Ama, check your battery. Best line of the whole movie. 
We watch those. Anyway. Wonderful, David. Um, You're such a delight. I don't know if I mentioned this two weeks ago, but um, the girls and I and Kristen are partaking in a family adventure. Yes. Yes. All four of us have been cast in the musical Annie. I believe you did mention that. I think I mentioned it in passing two weeks ago. Uh, but now it's in like, it's in, it started. It's happening. It's, I mean, what are we in? We're September, so we're recording. Yeah. Okay. So we are like six weeks away from open. <laughs> and we ended up wanting to, we wanted to audition for the show just so that we could do something as a family. And so we were like, this is great. Let's all do it. Like, let's all be part of the ensemble. Well, it didn't work out that way. Um, mm-hmm. Well, the girls got ensemble. They're non—they're the non-orphan ensemble. Oh, so they're like a notch up. So do anytime- they get their own dressing rooms? Yeah, they do. So anytime there's a scene not involving the orphans, the girls are on stage. Mm. In fact, the girls and I are playing. Um, I'm playing two different roles. The first role is I play one of the hobos in Hooverville. So the girls and I play hobos together. Yes. Oh, which is fun. Amazing. You sh- and we yes. Get a, we get a great song, which is amazing. Uh, and the other role that I'm playing is the role of Drake, who is the head butler in Warbucks Mansion. Sweet. And I'm telling you right now, and I don't mean to toot my own horn, but I am milking that role for everything it's worth. I have like <laughs> 12 minutes of stage time, maybe a little more than that, but I milk. Like all together? Yeah, like a 30, 30 lines maybe. All right. And they're really spaced out. And a lot of the lines that I have are, yes, sir. Of course, sir. Excellent choice, sir. Like those are like the majority of my lines. <laughs> I am mil- I am milking that part. You're saying or- them really slowly. That's how I yeah, and that's how I yes. And, sir. and the director's so cool because she just lets you make these choices, and if she doesn't think it works, so like she just lets us roll with it. So mm. I just from the get go, I was like, I'm gonna make him this like esteemed British like yeah, just like ah, <laughs> oh, sir, will you be taking the Dusenberg this evening? Like like really like distinguished like making sure that. Like, I bite every single one of those words. Oh, wonderful. Um, Kristen, on the other hand, auditioned for Ensemble and ended up with the third featured part in the show. Perfect. She is playing Grace, who is Daddy Warbucks' personal assistant. and Daddy Warbucks? Has arguably more lines or about the same amount of lines as Annie. <laughs> so, she's feeling a way mm-hmm. about being a part of the show. We open the third week of October. Yes. And we run third, fourth, and first week of November. So we have mm. nine performances, and it's going to be great. Well, nine, yeah, okay, three, yeah. Um, and I'm trying to remember when I did Cuckoo's Nest, if I ran, if we ran the same amount of time. I can't remember if it was three weekends or only two. I think it was only two. I think I only did six performances of that yeah, show. Yeah, because I, so. I, I, I saw you first week. I think you see, Yeah, you saw me opening weekend. Yeah. I, think you, I think I told you to come Saturday. Yes, you you told me to come. Because I always I hate, did. I always don't, I mean, I shouldn't say I hate opening night, but for me... Opening night is one of those just like let's get those jitters out in front of an audience. Uh-huh. The audience is really eating it up because it's like opening night of the of Annie. Saturday of the first weekend is usually one of the better ones, but my personal opinion is for a show like that the second Saturday is usually absolutely cream of the crop. When I did Avenue Q and I still remember it, the second Saturday not only was the Saturday that everyone I knew had come to see the show, yeah. but was also the show where every single actor on stage was completely 100% on fire. And just <laughs> where we were just like, we took our time, but we also like, we just ate up every single reaction. And just and that's usually what I see is like that second Saturday is really where the show hits the stride. Yeah. You know, you yes. saw Avenue Q, didn't you? I did not. You didn't? I mean, I personally, yes, I saw it. You didn't see the one I did? No. I could have sworn you were there. Oh wait, I did. Holy shit. Yes, yes. You, you were there the night my parents were there. I was. I think. I think oh you my sat god, in front of I bumped my dad. into them. I did. I oh my <laughs> yes, god, that's right. I did. I was trying wow. to remember that. Wow. I put my dad, I put my parents. Huh. Shit. 
I remember putting my Sat parents next to each near each other during Avenue Q. I remember putting my parents in the po- part of the stage where um, Rod sings the song about his girlfriend from Canada, my girlfriend who lives in Canada. And at the very last line, he says, "I can't wait to eat her pussy tonight." Yeah, and I was like, "Put her," and I purposely put my parents <laughs> right in right front. There. <laughs> My dad never laughed so hard during a show, so I was <laughs> I was happy. Uh, so that's really what's been going on. We got Annie is taking over our lives, and um, otherwise, that's really what we've been rocking with, Greg. I love it, Dave. That a- sounds exciting. I'm gonna ha- I'm definitely gonna come see the show. I'll try to bring Christy also. I think you should. It's gonna be fun. I feel like a really shitty friend. <laughs> like I, you have to like drag me to go out to see shows that my own friends are in. It's fine. Yeah. Wyndham's Wyndham's a haul. It is for you to get there. That that's a long way. It is, but you know what? I love you guys, and the whole family's in it. <sighs> got to do it lucy has one line too really yeah she's got her first line in a production so she's pretty excited to see that so anyway that being said greg do you want to get into the first part of this two-part epic episode i I want this first part to get inside of me let's do it greg guys it is season two episode 18 goliath returns part one I have to comment on the opening of this episode because it is probably the most I have ever felt like really into an episode. Mm-hmm. Like the the second this episode opens, it's just silence. You just hear wind, and it's just like that your, it's like your wind. That sound? was my. It's like dissolves and like you get the sun coming in and then it dissolves into like barbed wire and then the camera pans up into this uh, into a prison guard mm-hmm. and it's just like. I looked at you at that one point, and I'm like, okay, I'm in. Like, yeah. This is such a weird, interesting, unusual way to open an episode for a show like this. And in this era, like you're opening in dead silence. I know. It, it definitely was different. You know, for If this was just on television you know, after whatever show would have been on before this, I don't know. The screen would have gone black, and then it would have come up. And you would have been like, wait, is this a commercial? No, it's, it's 8 o'clock or whatever. I guess this is the show. And yeah. without any exposition, it just starts. Yes. And I love that. And I think we were talking about this, though. Like, when they have this much time to play with, they really stretch out the visuals. Oh, absolutely. Not so much the script writing or, like, the dialogue. But, no. But the actual action. Well, you said it pretty re- pretty dead on. It's like this is the director's cut version of a regular episode. Because we had mm-hmm. mentioned during the season two premiere, like, it feels like they could have condensed this to 48 minutes. Yeah. But I may I like what you said because it feels like this is what you feel like they wanted to do from the beginning. Like this is just without all the cuts. So I feel like every episode could be like this if they just embellished it and took their time without having to jam it into uh, under an hour. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So imagine that this episode, which again, we're actually splitting into two parts. We've only watched mm-hmm. part one as of this recording. Mm-hmm. Well, so- part one... At- we guess it's part one. We stopped where we figured actually. It yeah. felt like the natural end of part one. We'll t- explain why we felt that was yes. the natural end. But just imagine watching this back in the di- back in the eighties when they. Oh, actually, no. As I'm looking at it, this aired on one night. This only aired. This aired on one night, February nineteenth, okay. nineteen eighty four. I thought they had split it into two parts, but according to what I'm reading here, they split it up, and it was only one. It was one long episode. Interesting. It was a two hour special episode. Version of Night Rider, but why? I don't know. It's just the middle of the season. It's a very yeah, because we're still 
four episodes, three episodes from the end. Yeah. So it gets this. So eighteen. This is episode eighteen and nineteen in the production code. Episode eighteen. So we have twenty, twenty-one, and twenty-two. So we have three episodes left after this. Yeah. Three episodes. So we open on the prison, and not very long after we get this sort of expository shots. We kind of close in on an arm wrestling match. <laughs> That's all. It's like grunting, and we see like just out of the frame, like this little like this grisly beard. You can't quite tell who it is yet, mm. and like they're, these guys are like grunting and they're like shifting around all over the place. And finally, the camera like pans over and it cuts to behind the guy who turns around because he's hearing some strange noise, mm-hmm. and it's Garth Knight with the grisliest. Grizzly Adams beard, it's amazing! It is unbelievable. But the funny thing is, is to make it look like you know he's been there for a while, but he's clearly manicured it. It's not like unkept completely. Oh no, it's, it's not like a wild beard. It's very yeah, obviously. And if, and if anyone's been following our Instagram, that's the one that was up on the story uh, for uh, a couple days ago. A couple of days ago, yeah. yeah. Um, so, but he keeps like turning around because he keeps hearing something. He keeps hearing like a low rumble. Eventually, he breaks the table and beats the guy. In the yeah, he like he bends his arm over and a table shatters underneath it. Yeah, and he's like oh, holding his arm and Garth's just like <laughs> gets up and looks around and in the background you hear like this humming and Garth's like looking out on, into the sky and stuff and the guards are starting to take notice but you hear just this rumbling just in the this distance and so the yeah. camera finally cuts to the outside of the prison and we see from afar a j- an eighteen wheeler like barreling towards the prison. What is that 18-wheeler, David? Uh, that is none other than Goliath. <gasps> what? Because shortly after that moment... Well, let's talk about the Garth Tingle. <laughs> oh, the Garth Tingle. So it can only be described <laughs> as like a spidey sense, but it's the Garth Tingle. And essentially, he senses... Garth's spidey sense? That's what it is. He senses that there's something happening, and he knows what's about to happen. Like, like he knows that it's coming. <laughs> in every sense of the That's- word. It's amazing. So Goliath blasts through the wall of the prison. Whereas Kit, in a previous episode, Breaking Michael out, jumped the wall. He jumped the wall. However, Garlic... Garland? Garlic Knight. Garlic. Garlic. Garthrin. Garthrin. Garthrundle. Garth Grundle Knight. The Grundle Knight is... Goliath does not have the finesse to, to, to jump the to wall. To turbo boost the wall. No, so it just it just hammers through face first. And then the prison guards just open fire incessantly on this. Like, But like with like these carbine rifles, like one shot at a time, and yeah. it's like it's clearly not doing anything, but they just don't stop. Nope. Nope. And it's funny, so the, the, the prisoners are they're trying to round them up. The, Goliath breaks through. Garth clearly runs over to Goliath. The Goliath already, there's a driver in there, some no-name character driver. Nope. Nope, no idea who he is. The driver gets out with his own gun, starts shooting stuff, while Garth hops in the driver's seat, and the driver runs around to the other side and hops in the passenger seat. Yeah. And then they take off back out through the hole again. And it's great. So this is about 11 minutes into the episode, and mm-hmm. we haven't, we just now at this point have gotten the opening title. But <laughs> Goliath returns. But why couldn't? Why wouldn't have I know why, but Garth should have just jumped in the passenger seat. But yep. no, Garth had to drive Goliath. No, he he'd been waiting for this for we don't know how long he's actually been in prison, do we? L- long enough to grow that beard. Seriously, like it was. I don't know a year. Bushy maybe. as shit. <laughs> and like <laughs> the funny thing is though, Garth gets in, in Goliath and starts driving off. And of course, as he's leaving, he's blowing on the air horn like. Wah, wah, yeah. wah. <laughs> I did it, guys. I'm out of here. See you, peace. I'm out of here. He started getting a real, like, Dark Knight Christian Bale sort of tone. Yes. And I think this is, like, D- David Hasselhoff really just, e- like, slid right into this. Like, he 
has mastered this role I at think this point. Garth, Garth slid right up inside of David Hasselhoff. I bet you're right. Just oh. weaseled his way up in there with that mustache. Oh, so Garth escapes, shockingly. Yeah. Garth escapes from prison. Garthscape. So let me cut to Michael. Do you think, talking about his beard, and I just said that weird word. The Garthscape? Do you think Garth, do you think Garth Garthscapes, you know? He does. Do you think the carpet matches his pubes? You mean like at his house? Yes. I don't know. Maybe. It does. It... I think I'm just going to get more and more giggly. The tireder we get. <laughs> oh, shit. Let's get to Michael. Mm. Michael and Kit are attending a reception for a man named Dr. Klaus Bergstrom. Oh, Klaus. He's a scientist who's apparently in town for a symposium on laser technology, which we never actually in, get to in, see. He's, but he's like a psychiatrist or a psychologist? No, his daughter or his niece. His niece. His niece is a psych... She's just, she just graduated Oh, for right. psychology. Yeah, and they're do laser symposiums. Uh. So apparently, <laughs> apparently Klaus. What are you getting? This is just idiotic. I don't know what we're talking so about. So apparently Klaus's knowledge of laser technology is so valuable that the foundation has been assigned to protect him. Of course they have. Of course they have. Um, Ribbit rabbit. So shortly after that moment when we realize that the foundation's there, Devin gets a phone call mm-hmm. uh, from... Probably some law enforcement, I would assume. Yes. To let him know that Goth has escaped from prison. And Michael's just like... Like, Michael, you could tell Michael knows immediately mm-hmm. who it is and what's going on. And he kind of... I don't want to know if he... I don't think he really panics about it. But he knows that if Garth has escaped, that means Goliath right. is also well s- close to he, follow. He was he was like, what, when Goliath... He's basically, Devin told the story of, the, of a truck breaking through... And, and Michael's like, it had to have been Goliath, but Goliath was destroyed, right? Right. And, and you know, Devin's like, I don't know. I don't know. That's my Devin voice. Yeah. Oh, Michael, I don't know. <laughs> is, that, is that what Devin sounds like? Maybe what Dusty Miles sounds like. Oh, I forgot about <laughs> sweet Dusty Miles. Um, so let's cut back to Garth. <laughs> When he arrives at his destination. Oh my god, this is brilliant. So we have the return of a character that kind of makes very little sense. Because it's a character from another episode that it doesn't that didn't involve Garth. You're right. So Adrian St. Clair. Mm. We'll put a pin in that for a second. Adrian St. Clair is the woman responsible for not only rehabilitating and rebuilding Goliath, but also orchestrating and setting up the jailbreak. To get Garth out. Tonight there's gonna be a jailbreak. Do they somewhere in the town? Do they ever explain how she did it or when she became hooked up with Garth? Not yet, because we don't know. Well, basically, we learn a little bit later that you know she whatever whatever episode she was in earlier, where they kidnap, where she brainwashes Michael, kidnaps Kit in order to steal art. Right. So that um, was Soul Survivor earlier in season Soul two. Survivor. Right. Yeah. So she obviously got arrested and all that stuff, but had really good lawyers and she got didn't have any time so here she is yeah so i don't know but i assume that they probably run in the same circles we'll just go with that it was so strange so she's labeled as adrian st Clair in mm. the opening credits yes but later when devin runs into her he looks at her and says ah yes adrian margot because like, it was adrian margot it was and so i don't know like it never explains why the name changes there or like it was just like the misprint or whatever it was in the actual episode credits mm. she's labeled as adrian st Clair. um it is also what's interesting is it's the only time in the series that two characters from different episodes somehow have now 
like combined so to I, be part of this episode. I want to come up with a, a second like tertiary backstory, much like when we we wrote that whole story about Axminster from the MacGyver episode. God, and David and I wrote a uh, we wrote a treatment about uh, Axminster going off into the desert to fo- to find himself <laughs> and meeting up with Billy. Right, Billy from uh, the other episode. The other episode, way back in the yeah, early the season biker, one. The biker, he was a biker. Yeah. It didn't really matter, but uh, I, I want to come up with some story about Mar Margot, Adrian Margot, Mar- Margot. So but how do how do the so I just okay. So this car pulls up. Garth gets out. He's like chauffeured there. Yes. Garth gets out, and oh my god, he stands up and he just looks amazing. His pants look higher and tighter than I've ever seen. He looks magnificent. He's definitely swaggering like his balls are being pushed up into his chest. Like he's almost like being picked up from below, and like he's getting pulled yes. along by his crotch. Yes. Like this. I. Oh man, David. I mean Hasselhoff. David. Yes. David. David. Man, he is. He's channeling that, and I wish I had that kind of that sort of frame. And For that real, set, holy swagger. shit, man! So Adrian's like in this hot tub pool area of the mansion, wherever he's been dropped <laughs> off, way off in the back. Somewhere. And so Garth walks up to her, and just like he stands on the edge of the water, and he's staring down at Adrian. And then he just like steps right in fully clothed and just starts making out aggressively with her in the pool. <laughs> it was boss. <laughs> it, was like, it was great. It was such a baller move like, on his part. Just got a prison. He just wa- he owned it, and she like wanted it so bad. But then like it's like um it's like Mugatu and his um and Todd. Oh yes, it's like that sort of relationship. Yes. Todd, I don't. I, there's I get farty and bloated with a foamy latte. Do you think Garth gets farty and bloated? Absolutely. Every time he kisses a woman. <laughs> oh. Because like they immediately like, they 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 are making out real hard. Garth standing waist deep, fully clothed in the hot tub. She's just in like this like the bikini, and like they start talking. He's like, "So how long did it take to do this and this and this?" And basically, he starts grilling her about questions on the mission. And she's like, "Wait a minute, who just broke you out of prison? Who just right. did this? Who just literally rebuilt Goliath from the ground up and removed every single weakness that we found the first time?" Right. And he's like, yeah, whatever. You sure spent a lot of money on this place, a lot of my money. And he just like starts grilling her for all these things. But she's kind of liking it. And then she gets out. And then she's looking down at, at, at Garth. And Garth's still standing there in the water. And he's like, Ugh. just a lot of like a lot of grimaces and, and groans going on. Yeah. Ugh. So we should also add at this point that we don't actually see Goliath for the rest of the first part of this episode. Mm-hmm. He disappears after the jailbreak. Like we don't see Goliath yeah. at all. Um, except for the very, very tail end of yeah. the episode. Yeah. So the idea behind Garth and Adrian teaming up is so what apparently what they're doing is they're planning to kidnap Bergstrom, Dr. Yeah. Klaus. Dr. Klaus they're, Bergstrom. They're planning to, to, to kidnap him by face swapping him like it was like how do you how would you describe it because what in the next scene they're like wheeling this guy onto the property who's got basically his face wrapped in bandages so essentially they kidnapped so they kidnapped somebody of similar build and they not only uh did plastic surgery to make his face look like nordstrom's face right nordstrom bergstrom bergstrom i Close was thinking enough. like uh, clothing anyway. nordstrom rack bergstrom right um and they also Slowly, IV drip fed him some hallucinogenic brainwashing material yeah. that's replacing all of his memories with 
Bergstrom's memories because that's a thing to make him believe that he truly is Bergstrom. Right. So and basically um she's just like, you know, the only the only holes in this are like the last couple of days of memory because yeah. we've got everything up until now. Yeah. And so everything here has got to be new. Right. Um that's it. So basically they made a look alike. So they're going to replace clone Bergstrom they're going to replace real Bergstrom with clone Bergstrom to infiltrate the symposium to do fuck knows what yet. We don't know. <laughs> I love it. So so basically what ends up happening at this point is Garth raids the foundation, kidnaps Devin and April, basically to, to lure Michael into a trap. I'm just saying like they know that Garth is out of prison. They know he's back at yep. it. Yeah, they sure do. And he breaks into the foundation in broad daylight and kidnaps them. It is broad daylight, isn't yep. it? It's the middle. No, it's 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 the night. Is it the night? It's the evening because remember I commented. So this is the first time oh, okay. in the series. My mistake. Yes, you're this right. This is the first time in the series that we have actually seen other employees aside from April Michael. That's and Devin. right. There was a woman on the phone answering. Hello, Foundation for Law and Government. There's now security that we've seen that we see, and then uh, we meet. I can't remember her Foundation name. Foundation for Law and Government. What's the other woman? Just a moment. The, the terrible actor that, he, that the, the, the the terrible actor that Michael finds later that day stumbling down the stairs. <laughs> the poor girl. Yeah. I don't remember her name. I don't remember. So either. basically, yeah, matter. Garth raids the foundation, like takes out whoever is in the foundation. Yep. Trashes the place and then kidnaps Devil and Devil and Apron. <laughs> <laughs> Devin and April. Devil and Apron. And brings them to the dungeon. <laughs> Remember the, the so yes back on Garth's base. Sure, ba- he had Adrian get some guys and like hollow out the basement into a dungeon <laughs> for someone really special, according to Garth. For He's like, oh no, I'm saving this for, for his films. I don't know. Yeah, it's like when you shoot a snuff film, like and there's he, rats and, in the and there are rats and stuff down there. And I'm thinking, you know what? You know what, Garth? You know what, Adrian? There are rats in your dungeon. There are rats in the rest of your house. That's right. There's rats in your face the rats in your butt the rats in your bed you at night rats in your butt and your rats in your butt laying their rat eggs in your mouth you ever have a rat egg they're no. pretty tasty have you really have you had a rat egg dave yeah no no oh. rats don't lay eggs they <laughs> yes they do oh have you had a rat egg <clears throat> Let's coffee shall we move on you know okay so he puts Devin and April not in the dungeon because apparently he's saving that for Michael, which we can only assume that's what he's doing. Of course he is. He puts them upstairs in, uh, you know, a, one, you know, with the with the bars in the window, in another in the, room, in the one bed with yeah. April, and they just kind of and Devin attempts in one and one bed with April. And there's isn't there only one bed in there? Yeah, no, it just sounded funny. They put him in one bed one with bed April. with April. So Michael gets to the foundation the next day to realize that it has been ransacked, and we see that poor woman. Who is clearly trying so hard to act. <laughs> she's like in a catatonic daze. She's walking down the stairs. She's like, Santa, what's going on? What happened? What happened here? What happened here? She's like, Michael, they came in and they took them. They took them away. <laughs> and like cries into his chest and he like turns away from the camera. Yeah. Um, that was, there we go. There we go. That was it. So Michael now has to... Figure out where Devin and April are. Worst uh, one guess. One guess is Kit was like, "Well, Michael, I don't see anything around the pro." Hold on a second. There's radiator fluid. I bet <gasps> Michael's like, "You think we could track that?" Ah, uh, it's very, very faint. I think we might be able to track the radiator fluid on the ground. So that's what they basically they track that. So meanwhile, Christina, 
who is um Klaus's niece, Klaus, is sitting up in her hotel with Klaus, waiting for Michael to call. Freaking awful Klaus's chairs. Oh my god. Klaus is watching football because apparently that's what Americans do, which is not untrue. Yeah. <laughs> Americans watch football. They do. He's sitting there watching football. She's getting antsy because Michael was supposed to call her. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, Clone Bergstrom is basically being <laughs> finalized to have the switch happen. Clone Bergstrom. Essentially. Um Love it. So Christina ends up leaving the house, Christina? leaving the hotel. Yep. At which point she leaves. Garth and Adrian and clone Bergstrom come in. Garth Ether bunnies Bergstrom mm. and gets rid of him. Right in the face. At which point, Christina goes downstairs to drop her key off at the hotel and she goes, Oh, your uncle is just the. Like, she basically tells him that her uncle's a sex bomb. Wait, the girl at the front desk does. Yeah, just, what did I say? You just skipped it. You just <laughs> said she went downstairs to drop her keys off and started talking about her uncle, how he's a so, sex bomb. So, yeah, she drops her key <laughs> off with the front desk and the front desk woman's like, Oh, your uncle's just like a sex bomb. She's like, All the other employees just couldn't stop looking at him. He was, he's just such a handsome man. And Christine's like, Wait, my uncle was just down here? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, he just walked by to go back to his hotel room. And Christina kind of. Does like a double take moment and was like, I don't think that's right. Yeah. Like, that's not true. So, of course, she doubles back, mm-hmm. goes back to the hotel room, walks by Garth, Adrian, and Klaus, who's in a wheelchair covered with a trench coat and a hat. Yeah. And she's like looking very strangely at it. And she's, and I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, that is, she, why is she not questioning right. that this man looks just like Michael? <laughs> so she walks back into the hotel room and she says, Were you just downstairs, Uncle? Were you just downstairs? He's like, no, I've been up here watching football. What are you talking about? Oh, okay. That's oh, weird. Man, it's so weird. I just, I swear, I just saw somebody. Nope, I was up here watching football. Yeah. She's like, I just saw somebody football. Look, look like Michael in the elevator, and I swear you were in the wheelchair. And he's like, nope, I've been here the whole time. So he gets up to go get a beer, because that's uh-huh. what American men do. They drink beer and watch football. And she goes, uncle, what happened to your limp? What? Because earlier in the episode, apparently he had a limp from a bad leg. Like he he rolled his ankle or something getting and out he of goes, a kit. Oh, well. Apparently my limp got better, and that, so like she kind of like sits there and she's like, "Well, that's that's a little odd." Hmm. Huh. Oh, okay. Jim doesn't vomit <clears throat> at home. I don't know what that's from. It's a air, airplane. I should have known that, Gregory. I'm sorry. What, I apologize for which, which, which is a spoof on an, an, a, a it's a spoof commercial. of Night Rider. No, that that part is a spoof of a commercial <laughs> from the 70s. I just boofed. Jim never vomits at home. Jim never has a second cup of coffee at home. It's like a Folgers commercial. Yeah, that's what the moment. That's what that moment is. She's like, oh, he's, he doesn't drink beer. Yeah, that's weird. He doesn't. He limps. Huh. He's a limper. Huh? He's been sober his entire life. He's a limp uncle. Uh, uncle limp. <laughs> uncle limpy. Uncle limpy. <laughs> so, Michael and Kit find the end of the the trail. They basically find the end of the radiator fluid. Yeah, and it's like in the middle of a field. <laughs> Yes, <laughs> it's at the end of in the middle of a field, and in the middle of this field is a is a is a Bronco, a Ford Bronco, just what? with OJ Simpson in it, holding a with, gun to his head. He looks at it and he goes, "Oh, well, that's Devin and April, clearly." And so the you know you you get the viewpoint of the binoculars, and it's just a still shot, yeah. of Devin and April sitting in the but car. Think about it. Okay, all right. So Michael's been driving, f- following these drips on the ground. And they find a Ford Bronco in the middle of nowhere with Devin and April sitting. Like it's in like it. a power grid because like right behind them is like an electrical tower. I know, right? <laughs> just like, 
Like, this oh. does, and Michael doesn't think like this doesn't look suspicious at all because it turns out that it's not Devin and April. It is their their basically mannequins <laughs> of Devin and April crafted to look identical to Devin and April. I was like, the only way they, these could look more authentic is if they actually took Devin and April's skin and draped it over them. That's what it was. It was just it cl- like, and Michael's just like, huh? That's and weird. It's like Michael. That's not Devin and April. Those are mannequins made out of polyurethane. I'm just like, that's creepy. First of all, how did Garth and all of his cronies have this much time to, like, create duplicates? So that's the thing. So you know how, um, what's her name? Um, uh, Adrian. Adrian, yeah. Adrian's into art. Mm. Maybe that, that's been her thing. Like, she's been organizing everything, but late at night she has, like, this, this wax museum that she makes, like, <sighs> Devin and April dolls. Oh, that sounds terrible. Yeah, isn't that creepy? I'm just like, and so Michael doesn't put up a red flag, and he's like, well, let's go find them and see what they're doing. <laughs> Kit doesn't say anything. They drive right into the middle of this field. So they're, what, five feet away from the Bronco at yeah, this point? like that. And then they just start sinking <laughs> into the ground. What? And he's like, Michael, we're sinking. And Kit's and Michael's like, yeah, no shit, we're sinking. And so they're spinning out, and they're spinning the wheels, and they can't get out. Kit spits the grappling hook out the back of his car and hooks mm-hmm. it around whatever that tower is behind them. Mm-hmm. And they do end up pulling themselves out of it. And Michael's only comment is... Well, that just gave them enough time to accomplish what they were trying to accomplish. And I'm like, what were they trying? This was the whole point of this moment? It was just to de- hopefully, yeah, hopefully, yes, to capture him or to stop him, but or to delay him long enough. So that was it. You craft these urethane mannequins of Devin and April, put them in the middle of a grassy field in a Bronco, and then did they make the quicksand? Sure. Yes, yes, they did, what? David. What? That's- the actual piss greg <laughs> that's the kind of shit that a super villain like like garth knight would do because garth knight is nuts he's he is he is i mean he's definitely a sociopath oh completely he's a 100 percent sociopath he is obsessed with himself but like great. he is un like he is absolutely the epitome of the most psychotic we've ever seen on the show it's great like he's murdoch level Oh my god! Psychosis. I think I think Murdoch and Garth would get along, but they I don't think they'd be able to work together. No, I don't. They think... would they would respect each other. They would do things separately, but they'd be like, they yeah, they'd respect the hell out of each other for yeah. what they each do. But they would each want to be their own. Like they each want their own end game because I don't right. think they would ever be able to coordinate on one specific end. And my god, can you imagine if they crossed each other like during their work or whatever and they had a vendetta against each other? It would never end. Could you imagine a crossover where MacGyver had to team up with Michael Knight to go up against Garth and Murdoch? That would be the best. That would have been one of the greatest crossovers in the history of television. Oh my god. Why didn't that happen? They this know. show overlapped for two seasons. From 85 to 87, it overlapped with MacGyver for two years. That would have been... So what did... what? Who did Murdoch work for? Murdoch worked for the... What the hell was the name something, of it? Hit. 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 Right. Uh, something in international. Like, it was an assassin's group. Right. I hit. cannot remember what Hit stood for. I forget, yeah. But yeah, he worked for Hit. Garth was kind of... He's kind of an independent. Like, he just does his own thing. Yeah. But Garth could be the type of person who would hire a, a group like Hit mm. for something far more sinister. Oh, I'm going to do this. Yeah. Oh my like, god. He would contact Hit and say, I need your best assassin on the job. Yeah. And that's when they would they contract Murdoch to take out Michael Knight. Holy shit, that would be amazing. That would be so much fun. Fuck. Uh, oh my I god. Can you imagine can you imagine Pete and Devin going out for dinner? 
while Michael and Garth or Michael and you know Michael and MacGyver just, just they ha- they just end up in a pissing contest with each other because MacGyver is all well actually Michael has Michael fired a gun is Michael anti violence mm. like MacGyver was no okay he punches so a lot of people he does a lot of punching but he, he doesn't really use guns a lot yeah but he shoots grappling hooks and lasers I don't I think Michael w- wouldn't like shooting somebody but you know I think he would do it I mean as a former cop he probably would he would do it if he had to but yeah. I don't think he likes to do it exactly so I think but I still think they would get into these giant pissing contests about like because you know Mac would want to take the Jeep Wrangler yeah Michael would want to take kit well Michael's a bit of a smash and grab and MacGyver's more of a quiet you know, thinking things Absolutely. out. Absolutely. 100%. Yeah. Where the hell did we leave off? <laughs> that was a rabbit hole. Oh, sinking, sinking oh, in the right. mud. So he sinks out and then he drives He drives away yes. to yes. try to find Devin and April. Absolutely. Okay, so, he, so he's, he's on the road, okay? So what ends up happening is we cut back to Devin and April and the door, the, there's a knock on the door and they open it and Adrian and Garth walk in and they put real Bergstrom on the bed. Real Bergstrom. They put real Klaus on the bed. And they have okay. the, those two shithead uh, guards just standing That's there with the, the, other with part the red berets. Why are there like, guards here with uniforms? So remember last time Garth was like friends with a South, South American dictator or something? Right. And so there's a military aspect there. But here, this is Garth's compound, wherever it is. Oh, yeah. Casa, Casa Knight. Casa, yeah. Oh, hmm. Casa de Garth. Casa de Garth. It's like some of the, the greasiest Italian food ever. Welcome to Casa de Garth. Uh, sir, this I, I asked for I asked for the spaghetti and meatballs. Uh, I see the spaghetti and I see the meatballs, but there's no sauce. It's it's just grease. <laughs> it's it's just it's three cups of grease. Well, you don't like it. You don't like my grease. He just like <laughs> flips the plate off into the person's face. <laughs> and then as as they're kind of off balance on their chair leaning back, he punches them onto the floor. And it kicks the table over. There's your musical. And hits him with the canes. Um, <laughs> I don't know. So Michael gets back to the hotel, and he finds Christina. And Christina's like, Michael, I don't think that's my uncle. I really don't think that's him. And so Michael... Duh. Uh, he's like, do you, you think? So Michael, he's like, all right, well, let's play along here for a second. So he goes in and starts having a conversation with Klaus. And at the end of the conversation, before he leaves, he goes, oh, by the way, Klaus, I'm really sorry about those tickets to Disneyland. I'm not going to be able to get those for another week or so. And Klaus is like, well, that's okay. You tried. That's, that's fine. And, mm-hmm. and Michael, they walk out. And basically, Michael just looks at her and goes, well, yeah, that's not your uncle. Because I don't your... fucking have it. And so Christina's like, what do you mean you didn't get the Disneyland tickets? <laughs> it's like, ah. But the <sighs> thing is, like, Klaus, you think that whoever's doing Klaus or how brainwashed he is would play along. But no, he's just an imbecile who oh, just yeah. looks like Klaus. Right. Oh no, that's okay. You didn't get the tickets. That's fine. Yeah. Maybe next time. And Michael Knight. Michael's like, well, I guess we should probably play along, and because if they know that we know, then that's going to be a problem. Right. So maybe we should just play along with this. So tell me how they how do they find out where Devin and April are being held prisoner? Because this is the finale of the first act where they start heading towards Adrian's estate. Do you I, remember how they find out? I don't. I don't remember how they find out and where. We definitely were chatting a lot during this, but I can't remember because Kit and Michael, I don't know. I don't remember where it was. I don't remember it for the life of me. I don't know either. Anyway, they figure out where Adrian's estate is and they start heading there, mm. but not before Kit starts picking up a strange signal on his pers- when he's in pursuit mode. I, <laughs> wow. My, his radar. Kit, fuck, kit wow. Vision. Kit his vision. kit vision. Yeah. And it turns out, from afar, they realize that what's heading towards them at 120 miles an hour 
is Goliath with Garth behind the wheel. <laughs> like crazy eyes. And he's just like, yeah, he's not even, he's completely stone-faced, just like head slightly cocked, and he's just sitting there, and then we just see that we see him, and we, we can out of frame see his hand go up, and he just like, uh, uh, just like beeping it's the like, horn. It's like the Terminator with emotions, though. He's like, oh yeah. He's like, Rrr. I mean, he's definitely, you can see it, he's, on, he's out for blood. Yeah. He's going to kill Michael Knight, and he's going to destroy Kit. Yeah. And so Michael's like, "All right, well, let's just do this. Let's let's play a little game of chicken." He's like, "How?" He's like, "Kid, how long before we run into him?" And he's like, "Well, he's two point three miles away, and he's going one hundred and twenty miles an hour. So now, yeah, now." <laughs> and now. so Michael's like, "Well, okay, well, what what we what we lack in what we lack in size, mm-hmm. we more than make up for for maneuverability, essentially." So he's like, "We're gonna play chicken, but we're gonna we're gonna get out of the way right at the net, right at the at the right moment." Yeah, now. April has, um, or the earlier at the very beginning of the episode, we find out that April has installed uh, an emergency. Oh, what would you call it, Greg? Um, uh, you know, there's no word for this. Basically, just... basically, she's installed some form of a parachute in kit for mm, emergency landing, hang gliding. Um, hang, yeah. So, because at the beginning of the episode, they're going to test it. So Michael's about right. to drive Kit off a cliff when the system <laughs> malfunctions and they can't utilize it. Of course, Perfect. April has obviously fixed it. Yes, and she so has. Michael's like, "Well, now's a better time, as good a time as any to test this." So they're playing chicken with Goliath, and he swerves just at the right moment. He starts the car starts spinning, spins right off the. Cliff, <laughs> and the last thing we see, and the last thing we hear was, "I thought April fixed this." As like, we see Kit like helicoptering over the side of the cliff. <laughs> Wait, Kit can helicopter? He doesn't have. That's what he was doing. Oh, he was just, oh, the car was spinning. Yeah, Kit was just like spinning off the cliff, and the last thing we hear before we freeze frame is Michael's like, "I thought April fixed this." <laughs> And obvi- okay, so the DVD Ugh. runs for a full ninety six. So this just felt like the clear cut ending of part one. It really did. So we we see Goliath going head on with Kit, and then the last thing we see is Kit going off a cliff with a malfunctioned with a malfunctioned emergency system, <laughs> well, and that's the end of it. While well, um, yes, I don't know what to say. So Michael just opens up, you know, starts a program, and starts playing racing games on Kit while they're plummeting to their death. Yeah, because he's like, all right, well, either one thing, one or two things is going to happen here. He said it's either going to kick back in and it's going to refunction. <laughs> Or <laughs> refunction. I'm going to die. But isn't Kit indestructible? Or do you think he just? Do you think Michael would just break every bone in his body at this point? I mean, from hitting the ground. Michael. From that height? So have you ever done those those egg drops? You know, as a kid, you. Oh yeah. You, so you, I think you it would build. be like that. So, but I I don't think there's enough padding. I think Michael would explode inside of Kit. Oh, every bone in his body would shatter, and he would liquefy because of the. Yeah. How high up do you think that? They said it was cliff- 300 feet. Okay, so that. He might not liquefy, but every bone in his body would compress He'd in be one. A crumpled heap. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Michael. Poor Michael. And so that's where we end part one, and I was in a 100%. I, I loved it. Again, we say this every week now, every episode. I think at this point we're having so much fun with the ridiculousness of this episode and this yes. show that we just can't help but enjoy oh, man, it's everything so much we're watching. Fun. It really is. It's such a good time capsule, and... It's just great. And, the, you know, again, like the plot, some of these are ridiculous. However, with a little tweaking, we could, you could get some amazing m- movies out of these stories. You could oh, get yeah. some really good stuff out of here. I mean, again, these are the episodes that I think I enjoy a little bit more because they play around with the pacing. They really take their time. And it's not yeah. boring to watch. And it's not unenjoyable. 
And I think David Hasselhoff, obviously giving a dual performance, is so off the rails insane as Garth that you can't help but just watch it and say, how much fucking fun mm-hmm. is this guy having doing this? Uh, he, it looked like he really you know, he And I think he has, I don't want to say he has more fun doing Garth, but it must be nice because every, you know, because he did this in the season premiere and then, you know, probably right. a couple months later, they're like, hey, what do you feel about, how do you feel about bringing Garth back? Mm-hmm. I, I just think he has a blast doing it. And I think it was interesting to pull back a character comp- somewhat unrelated. Yeah. You know, but a good fit. I think they they play I think off it was each other a, well. I think it was a really really good fit. Absolutely. Oh god! And that hot the hot dog makeout scene. By hot dog, I mean hot tub. Man, that hot dog makeout scene. Oh my god! I just did hot tub makeout scene. It was probably worth the price of admission, one hundred percent. So I'm gonna give it. I don't know if I should grade it now or if we should wait for two weeks and then we'll do a grade overall for the whole episode. Uh, let's let's at least see how how we feel. Maybe we can average the two. Okay, I, I'm I'm landing at like a four to a four and a half for this episode. I'm right there with you. What's that? It's a, t- a turtleneck with a turtleneck and a turbo boost. Yeah. Do I want a four? Or do I want a four and a qu- four and a quarter? I'm gonna go oh. four. I'm gonna go four and a quarter. It wasn't. There were some. I mean, I did have some very. There were some very glaring holes in this episode. So that's a turtleneck with a turbo boost and a quarter of a alpha circuit. Yeah, that sounds about right. Or yeah, I could have. I, I, I could have just done a quarter of a turbo boost. Four and a quarter. I like that. That's my episode rating. Okay. What would you give it? I, I'm with you too. Like, it was super entertaining. Um, but again, there are a lot of holes. But who cares? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter in the content. How? I'm sorry. I just poked my freaking next car. <laughs> That hurt. Um, Four and a quarter, four and a quarter. So do we want to take that, and then in two weeks we'll take our part two rating and we'll Mm -hmm. average them and see what we come up with? Because I really hope part two doesn't suck a bag. I know, me too. So, okay, so Greg and I haven't watched part two yet. So the idea is in two weeks... You guys are going to hear part two live, oh. which is what should have happened a few weeks ago when the lost episode, which is still lost. It still exists, though, right? It still exists. I just haven't gotten a chance to get it and edit it. Okay. So it will come out at some point. That could be just a bonus. So it may just have to be a bonus episode. So this is this is what we were intending for the episode a few weeks ago that you never heard. We're going to record live. So mm. we're going to start the episode, and then we're going to watch the episode part two as we go. And I will tell you guys where to queue it up when we get to the episode in two weeks. So, obviously, you guys know that next episode is going to be season two, episode 19. Goliath returns part two. Part two. And, uh, yeah, if you guys want to... uh if you guys want to get in touch with us through any means, you can find us um, on Instagram at Champa Klein. You can find us on Twitter at Champa Klein, or you can even go, you can you can Twitter the Night Rider years, and we'll be there. Uh, Facebook <laughs> is Champa and Klein, and I will say that I'm thinking what I'm about. To, I'm going to deactivate the Champa Klein Facebook oh page. My, oh my god! And David. I'm going to create a Champa and Klein group, oh so that people who are on the group can post about anything 80s TV they want instead oh. of just Night Rider. Or we can post updates about Night Rider, but our viewers and Listeners who are on it can post stuff about any 80s TV show, suggestions for us for the show. I think it'll be a lot more user and listener interactive for us. I'll take, I'll trust you with that one. You can call our hotline, 207 835 hotline, hotline 1954. You can also leave us a rate and review on Apple Podcasts. And Greg, if you hang on one second, we actually have a new Apple Podcast review. Oh boy, we have a, a podcast review. I'm not gonna lie to you; it is one of the best written reviews I have ever read. Podcast review. Did I send? Did I send this to you? You did. I did send this to you. All right, hold on. I'm gonna pull it up right now. It's from Angela. Angela. So Angela is somebody that we met 
uh, at the annual podcast, not annual, the podcast meetup a couple weeks ago, mm. Angela has a podcast called Story Spectacular. Yes. And she seemed very interested in what we podcast about. And she's a big fan of 80s TV. And sure enough, less than a day after the meetup, I see this podcast review show up in our feed. Five stars. Oh, thank you. It is titled, In Life, You Watch TV or Do TV. It says, You guys. Do you remember the ill-fitted jeans and the tacky tiki shirts, the arbitrary facial hair? Yet somehow, Tom Selleck, John Michael Vincent, David Hasselhoff, et al., were still the most bodacious babes on the planet. 1980s TV was wacky, awkward, and super cheesy. But somehow, this hot oleogenous mess of ingredients stewed together into a delicious bowl of nummy consomme that has aged like a fine box of wine. Dave and Greg find the perfect balance of snarky and sentiment in their commentary of all things 80s TV. No longer do I feel alone like Detective Mitch Buchanan wandering the beaches of L.A. County in search of a compatriot to reminisce about the cubic zirconia age of television. (laughs) Thank you so much. I read that to Kristen, and she goes, holy shit, the cubic zirconia age of television. That is the perfect description for 80s tv yes it is the cubic zirconia of television anyway thank you angela for that that rate and review i really appreciate it if you guys want to be like angela i would very much encourage you to do so and write something like that for us you try i would love you know i don't think we can ever top that i don't think we can ever we can ever come close to topping that Mm. so anyway guys I think that's going to wrap it up for this week of the Night Rider years. Greg, do you have anything to say before we say goodnight? This is definitely fun. Looking forward to wrapping this up. All right, guys. So for the Night Rider years this week, I am the Garth Tingle. I am uh, bandaged wheelchair face man. <laughs> have a fantastic week, and we will see you for part two. You wish to eat. You wish to drink. You wish to reproduce? Yeah. Which one first? Michael. Where are your pants? Never mind. There you have it loyal listener. A fine example of what can truly be done with podcasting. Hard work, consistent output, and just the right amount of guidance from an enigmatic network overlord. Tune in again next week, to see what timeless gem I dust off for your listening pleasure. Seriously. I need to get someone into this archive room and do some cleaning. It's filthy.
You've been listening to a podcast of the Podfix Network. Discover more audible gems like this at podfixnetwork.com. Make sure to catch up-to-the-minute network shenanigans by following at Podfix on Twitter, official underscore Podfix on Instagram, at Podfix Network on Facebook. And make sure to subscribe to Podfix Presents wherever you choose to find podcasts. The Podfix Network, artist owned and loved.